There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to Sci-Fi Talk in the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and tonight we'll be discussing episode 8 of season 3 of The Magicians. Oh my god. This episode was so hard to tweet, guys. And I know if you were on Twitter, you probably felt the same way. Yes, it really was. This was a very unique way of trying to blend three or four different storylines into a single episode. Well, technically six, since the title yeah. is six stories. <laughs> yeah. It was so weird. It reminded me, and I'm going to have a total brain fart on the movie, where it was like, I think it was eight different perspectives of the same thing. Right. And it's interesting because we never get like the whole picture because of this. And it's like, all right. It was just really hard to tweet it. And uh, so I know I was kind of silent through most of this. So I'm sorry. (laughs) But just it seemed like kind of the same. But it was even better because even though we weren't tweeting during this, we got some really great news. Yes, we did. The Magicians have been renewed for season four. Which is super exciting because we were kind of like nervous about this because it's like, where are they going to go? Yeah. <laughs> and after this episode, and I'm like, oh my God, how many how many episodes do we have left of this? Because with the reveal at the end, I'm like, oh, right, we still got five more episodes. So I know I, got, I'm, I was freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, are we almost done with this season? <laughs> is that where we're going with the next one? It was crazy. But before we jump in all that, because I'm already getting super excited, you have some ratings news. Yes, episode eight brought in a 0.21 and adults 18 to 49 with 0.544 million viewers, making it the 42nd overall cable show for the day. And apparently the uh, President's Day holiday screwed Nielsen up because we do not have any live plus seven day ratings for episode six yet. Oh, man, they throw in a hol- one little holiday. One little holiday and everything. everything yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There seemed to be a lot of people on Twitter, even though there wasn't a lot of chatter. Right. Because, like, I kept seeing, like, I don't know what to say about this. What do we do? <laughs> and, yeah, it was a lot of basically same like me. Like, I don't know what to say without spoiling something. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into episode eight. Gosh. I know. Six short stories about magic. Julian Fenn investigate a dangerous group of magicians as Elliot Margot's reign is challenged. That is, you know, I've said before, like some of this is an oversimplification, but that is like the most oversimplified one I think we've gotten to date. Uh, it's, it's up there. Put it that way. Because <laughs> most of them are this way. I, I don't know what it is about sci-fi that just does not want to... Well, really say anything about the episode. It's not spoilery that way. Well, yeah, but it's not actually true either. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not what the... Yes, the Julian Finn part is what I consider one of the major storylines of the episode. Yeah. But... Because really, the Elliot and Margot thing, we had about 30 seconds. Yeah. We're going to cover that right now. Fillery. 30 seconds of fillery. Okay, maybe more than 30. But we see... Elliot and Margot being carted away, you know, mob style, because they were dragged out of their carriage. I'm thinking, oh, God, what's happening? Is this, like, going to go bad, like, French Revolution style or what? But then we see them sitting in a court talking, Elliot basically looking just completely worn down. Yeah. A very sad, weary monologue about how everything has gone to shit and fillery and urging, what was it, a wombat judge? Yes. Dismiss the case and dismiss the peasant uprising against the earthlings who have saved Fillory over and over again and did get rid of the beast. Yes. And scene. What? What? Excuse me? 
Yeah. What a cliffhanger, I guess. I mean, it was a, I guess they just needed to have a passing, uh, a drive by of, uh, Margot and Elliot. <laughs> but the whole thing actually starts because Penny makes it to the underworld. Yes. And he finds this woman who looks like, like an old version of Alice. And I'm still not convinced that it's not somehow Alice or like a splinter of Alice from when she became Niffin somehow. Right. Hey, they've used some Doctor Who references, so wibbly wobbly. Yes. And because this woman, did they actually say her name? Cassandra is what Sylvia was calling her. Okay, but we didn't get what she was saying the mythological name was, right? Right. Okay, because I don't know. Gosh, they pull up like mythos from so many different right yeah there's no way for me to know is it like supposed to be greek is it supposed to be this and it, you know to, yeah to i don't know which one it was i think i read somewhere where cassandra was the one who would tell stories that nobody and nobody would believe her okay yeah it, it was crazy but it's basically her writing and now we know how the books on everybody end up in the library right which is really interesting because then she was the one who had seen all the 26 versions of the of our little group before right. we got to this one, which is crazy. Yeah, because that would drive me batch it. But Absolutely. That at least we know. That's why we only got like that minute of fillery because she can only write so much. And this <laughs> these six stories are her filling it in. And I loved it because this is all then coming from like audience point of view. Right. Because Penny's reading the story, and he's like, how does this help? Because he's trying to figure out how to bring everything together. But I thought that was great doing it this way. It was it was confusing, and you really had to pay attention, so you could yes. not tweet. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought this was great, the way they did that one. So why don't you take us into <laughs> into break bills so we can have it? Because I don't know, this trying to break this this one up. Unless we just did storyline by storyline, which is still kind of rough. But I do want to say the one storyline, which we will get to, I'm sure, further down, because it was completely silent. I right. really liked that, and it made yes. me pay attention. That was really enjoyable. It was. And I I told you guys before, I have a family member who's deaf, and I'm really bad at learning this. So it's like it made me pay attention, and it's making me try to remember some of the stuff that I've learned from forever ago. So I'm like, yay, I can maybe use my brain. So, <laughs> uh, baby steps for me trying to remember this stuff. Maybe I'll finally get on, on Katie's level, but I doubt it. But let's go to break bills and jump into some sexy adult time. You know? <laughs> that seems yeah. kind of depressing, but why don't you take us into... Right. Into I don't know. Well, we open up with Poppy laying in bed with Quentin post sexy fun times. Now, Quentin, as usual, is fretting over the impending quest to the underworld, putting every single cart possible in front of every single horse. I know. Talk about depressing. I mean, adult time is supposed to be like raising the enjoyable hormones in your brain. God. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Poppy. I'm not saying that you're bad. I'm just saying that apparently Quentin's not that good at this point <laughs> because he cannot get out of his own head. Right. Now, of course... She's trying to quell his paranoia, but like you said, it ain't working too well. I still don't trust her, and I think that could very well be part of it, too. Like, even right. if Quentin's like, all right, whatever, casual hookup, it's more like, you gave me a key that I almost killed myself, so... Right, yes. Yeah, I doubt very seriously that there is a strong trust with Quentin for Poppy. Yeah. And she does nothing to earn that in this episode either. That's true. Nothing. Because <laughs> we see her heading out to get something to drink, dressed in just Quentin's shirt, and who's in the hallway but Alice. Yeah, that was a little awkward. But then again, Alice seems to make a lot of things awkward, too, because you don't know what her attitude is right now towards Quentin. Right. But she doesn't seem to be too plussed about it, so... Um, Poppy reveals the logistics on their mission that they plan to use Victoria to access a mirror bridge to gain entry into the library. Of course, Alice being the, Alice. <laughs> yeah, being Alice and the 
super intelligent one, apparently, is worried of their potential failure since the construction of said mirror bridge requires complex mathematics. And she probably should know. Yeah, and and the fact that she's like, yeah, Victoria might die. I was surprised because she just seems like she wants magic so badly that she almost wouldn't care. Right. So I'm, yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. She seems to be getting colder and colder to everything. Yes. And that is not a good sign. That makes me think that Nip and Alice is just right around the corner. Which worries me. If she actually gets magic back, yeah, is she going to somehow try to nip and out on purpose? Right. And, of course, Katie and Harriet meet with Alice to try to convince her to help them in their in their mission. I mean, if she can do the math, why not help? Right. We're on a quest together, guys. We need the keys. Right? Well, no, Alice isn't marching to that tune, guys. I mean, come on. You know that at the very least, if magic comes back, you can give Penny back his body, which you seem to be on board with. But at the same time, she seems to be very reluctant to have magic back because then Quentin's dad may relapse. Right. She uses Harriet as the reason to say no, saying that nobody should have the kind of power that is available in the library, regardless of it whether or not they have a super battery or not. Now, do you think that's because somewhere in the back of her mind she does realize how powerful she was as a Niffin and how bad she did things? I think so. Okay. And we don't know enough about Harriet right now either, and that does worry me. Yes, that definitely also has the potential to blow up in their face. So, again, kind of weird that Alice is the one that's like, oh, no, nobody should have that. Maybe we should keep it locked away. Yeah, to say the least, even though she's the most desperate one for magic out of the group, basically. Right. It's like an addict saying, no, don't do drugs. Right, exactly. And as they're desperately trying to get drugs, but stay away. It's very strange. Yeah, my drugs. Right. You can't have any. Mine, mine, (laughs) mine, mine. So she turns to alcohol and is uh, stewing on her own when she hears the noise. And it's coming from the clock and it banging and all kinds of commotion. You go, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I got scared of what it could have been. Uh, Yeah, me too. (laughs) And then I kind of head scratched because it's fed. Yeah. Hi. (laughs) The door got stuck. Yeah. Oh, can I have one of those? Yeah, it's like, I think you've had a lot of something already. Yeah. But we get a little bit more fun, finally. Yes. We find out that, yes, this learning that her daughter died in childbirth is just completely wrecked her. I wanted to cry. Yes, absolutely. And even after Alice kind of halfway tells her story, Finn's like, are you kidding me? Right. That's what's bothering you? You can at least go out and get it that knowledge again i can't get my daughter back and and this when she was totally smashed and she was making better sense than alice exactly that's what what i was thinking and and the fact that basically fen who i'm sure alice kind of looks down on as like a peasant who doesn't really know anything right is telling alice yeah just exactly that are you serious you are on a quest to get the shit back i can't get back what i've lost right and She's the one with all the knowledge at this point because Alice just seemed dumbstruck that Fen would say something like this and make complete sense. Right. So, of course. That dose of reality there. Well, it motivated her, but I don't think it motivated her in the right way. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Because she turns around and is sitting in front of a solitary book shoot in the middle of nowhere. Checking stones at the opening. Yeah. At first, I'm just like, why is he just sitting there? You know, there's a book return. She's just like throwing stuff. I, I just assumed at first it was a break bills book thing. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? And then out of nowhere, Gavin pops up. Oh, my gosh. What he was saying to her, I was like, damn. Like, Yeah, information whore. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. 
Sorry, library groupie, not bookie. Yeah. <laughs> Book groupie. There we go. That's what I was actually thinking. Wow. Like, she looked really offended. and Yes. I was like, damn. Okay, he's not holding back, though. No. And he's probably lucky there isn't any magic around, because if Alice had a tenth of her power, he'd have been toast. Oh, yeah. He'd have got a smackdown for real. So he sticks his hand out and says, let's go. And she kind of looks at him like, what? Huh? <laughs> right. Because, I mean, we know they can take books, but it's like, wait, you can take a person? Well, most travelers can. Yeah, but, like, at this point, we thought the travelers can only pick up a thing. Right. Wait, wait, wait. There's no magic. What's going on? Yeah. Somehow, some way, they've got a little more go-go juice than everybody else. Yes. I was like, oh, my God. Somebody needs to explain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here like all Dalek. Explain! Explain! So later on, a very drunk Finn hears somebody at the door. She kind of lifts her head up over the couch to see Irene at the door talking to Julia. But not just Irene. No. She sees the fairy. Now, I didn't realize what she was focusing on at first. Right. I seen Irene and Irene talking everything with Julia, and I'm like, what's going on? Why is right. Fen looking? I'm assuming that Fen recognized her from, like, Fillory or something. Right. But no, it was the fairy that got her attention. Yeah, it just, it wasn't clicking, because I was so focused on what was happening with Irene. Right. And I was like, oh, no, is she really, like, a big bad that we don't know about? And, yeah, okay, that's what happened. So I'm like... Why is Fen so interested? Oh, yeah, she's the only one who can see the damn fairies. Right. <laughs> so Irene reveals a gnarly, bloody rash occupying her midsection. It's like the plague. Yes, it really was. And this rash is the result of her using her magical powder one too many times. So she beseeches Julia to use her magic to eradicate the rash. And fortunately, this is the favor that she ends up calling in. So you go, okay, this has a lower possibility of a disaster happening than probably anything else that they could have come up with. Right. I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, just like medical magic, which, I mean, that wasn't exactly Julia's thing, but she can do it. No big deal. Right. She's all powered up again. Right. And, and I'm just thinking, oh, okay. And then even Julia says, you know, I have this spark, as she's explaining to Fen in a bit. And she's like, but if I do good, then that seems to make it stronger. And, right. and I'm sure you, like the rest of us, because at this point we have no idea what's going on, thinking, okay, healing somebody is definitely good. Right. And all right, th this will be great. Start giving her more power. Maybe somehow she can spread it. She's going to be like, a, a beacon or something of magic. I don't know. I was just thinking, okay, it'll grow. It'll be good. Right. But yeah, there's no doubt that I think that her thinking that, yes, the more good things she does, her power will grow. But I think it's only because of what she's doing. Yeah. But then, and like, the more we learn, I'm starting to be like, uh, I don't know, because <laughs> I don't trust Irene. Right. But, of course, seeing that she does heal Irene, that should at least eliminate the debt that yes. Julia owed her. And that was the most important thing to eliminate without something really bad happening besides what ends up happening. Right, right. Because, of course, Finn reveals her knowledge of fairies to Julia, who, of course, just can't believe that they're actually real. Okay, <laughs> Fillory was real. There was talking trees that you blew up and all. Come on. You didn't <laughs> yeah. ask the, I can't believe you. We can't, we can't go back like that. Right. You talked to gods. There was a crazy ton of shit happening and you're questioning fairies. That's where you draw right. the line, Julia. <laughs> we got to talk, girl. Yeah. But of course, she takes, um, and with her to Irene's and she wants Finn to get the details on how uh, Irene came about owning a fairy. And so while she's performing the spell, Finn encounters Irene's fairy sky. And 
this poor girl is nothing like the fairy queen. She's like none of the fairies we've seen. Right. Cause she is so meek and mild and in fear of Irene. She won't make eye contact. She's not supposed to talk to the humans and yeah. freaked out when Fen could see her. Yes. Because she actually thinks that they're all the fairies there is. Which now that we know how fairies reproduce, is there like a mushroom garden? <laughs> yeah, there probably is. Ew. Well, maybe not because they haven't been without magic long enough for Irene to get her fairies to reproduce because she's too concerned about having enough to power her magic. And now it's freaking me out how she knows, how Irene knows how to use this that magic dust. Right. Yes, that is very, very scary. So, of course, Sky vows that she'll give her more information if Finn will show up the next day while Irene is out. So, Julia and Finn show up, and unfortunately, they break into, I guess, an outbuilding of the house, and Finn sees Skye on a table yeah. with her leg gone and completely up. out of it. Yes, Which absolutely. Which can't see. No, she can't. Which I, <laughs> that I, makes I was, it harder. I was thinking she was going to bring the key, but maybe even with the key, she can't see them. Right. No, I don't think she could even with the key. But then when Julia notices, oh... Why is all this powder here? And she, like, yeah, takes a snort and tests it. And she's like, oh, my God. And then they both kind of realize what happened. Right. That was super messed up. This took a dark turn for that story that I was not expecting. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Well, I, I don't know if I... Or you right. It, I should say. Yeah. I, yeah. As soon as we saw the fairies at Irene's, you knew it had had to be up to no good. But I think what we both thought, it was like, okay, it might be fairy dust, but it was like, okay, like their skin, because if they get dry, it starts, you know, because we know they're weird mushroom-like people. Right. They I thought it, it was humid. like flaky stuff, not like I'm cutting off a leg and turning it into it, powder. Right. I don't think either of us really were going that no. route. No, no, no. Neither one of us uh, thought that it was, it was actually <laughs> taking uh, fairy parts to make the fairy dust. I was like, holy crap. Now, that is something that was all over Twitter, which if you guys are talking yeah. with us, you know, it's like, holy crap, that took a dark turn real fast. I guess desperate times, people will do desperate things. Very, right. Very, uh, what is that? Um, oh, my God. This, the butcher and the, the woman who was turning people into pies, meat pies. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. But it's like, damn, how long has magic been gone that you guys are like, all right, well, we're sacrificing these creatures. Screw it. Right. It ain't been that long. How did you know? That's the bigger question. Right. Right. Wow. So that uh, concludes what was going on in break bills. So we'll move to the underworld. Where Penny arrives via book shoot. Yay. And I love how he's following the sign. <laughs> he's literally following signs i'm like can't you just yeah. pop wherever you need to go but you have this weird like fema camp thing happening right and you go hold on time out time out are you telling me that the underworld is now overcrowded and you're having to set up tent cities that's what it seemed like and i'm thinking, yes. okay is it that okay now i don't know if we ever actually discussed this is this just the underworld for everybody, or is this like magicians' underworld? Because it's like it's gotta be for everybody because Benedict wasn't didn't have magic. He, didn't he have was magic. the map maker. Oh uh, well, he was yeah, and he was from Fillory though. I mean, it was a weird weird thing because I was thinking I'm like, okay, wait, is it this overcrowding? Because all of a sudden, with no magic, a lot of magicians are freaking out. And killing themselves? Yeah. Now, that might be a possibility. That's why I was thinking this, and that, or maybe if you died because of some sort of magic, you ended up here. It just seemed weird. It's like, all of a sudden, it's like, yeah. oh, it's overcrowded. You get, a, you get a tent. A nice tent, but it's a tent. Because 
Penny's looking for Benedict, and you have, oh god, this is funny, you have what seemed to be like a park ranger? Right. Like a silly roll guy, because everybody has to wait their turn. And Penny's like, all right. I'm happen? just looking for a friend. Like, how do you bribe somebody in the underworld? Is there, like, dead money? What the hell? <laughs> and I, because it's like, well, you know, there, there's there's ways you can, like, grease the palm. And somehow, like, Penny is suddenly telling, like, all of these people down there what the hell happened on Game of Thrones. <laughs> because I I was, wow. Trying to. Yes. He wasn't Apparently. telling them what was going on. He was trying to. <laughs> I'm wondering if Penny even watched Game of Thrones. No, I don't think so. But I love it because everyone's like, oh, that makes total sense. Oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. I knew that was going to happen. That was just the funniest thing. How did he get eight dragons? Right. That's the question. <laughs> because seriously, if you like those of us who watch the show, yes, are pretty much like chomping at the bit for this last season or the next book, which you're never getting from Grimm, but whatever. But no. <laughs> and that's what I think's funny because you know what I'm thinking if if I were to die before I watch the end of it. And somebody who came much later, I would probably be like, so what happened with Game of Thrones? <laughs> I probably would say that, too. Yes. And that's why I think it's hilarious that all these people, like, Penny could have just been down there and said anything. And then the next person comes down and's like, what? That didn't even happen. Exactly. But, but because Penny does this, he greases the palms the right way, and he gets sent to the right tent to find Benedict. Yes. Who is happy and sad to see Penny. He's like... Oh, you found me. We're dead together. And Penny's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Not dead here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're cool. We're like friends, right? So what'd you do with the key? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the library took it. Yeah. Because Penny was really hoping to avoid that so he can avoid that contract. Which if we right. don't blame him because we no. need Penny. Yes. We don't need him chained to the library for a billion years. Right. We need him to help get magic back so we can get this, the next, next part of the story and we can get him a potty. And then, worst comes to worst, he can serve out his time when he actually dies. Right. But he's thinking, all right, well, I gotta get in there because Benedict, how dare you? But whatever. As he's trying to get in, he runs into Sylvia. And I love that because he's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry that I left you in the poison room. She's like, yeah, dude, don't worry about it. I was dying anyway. I was kind of like, yeah. too far in to do anything. I don't hold a grudge. And I'm Or like, does she? I'm like, wow, she's awful chill with that. Yeah. So I love that Penny's like telling her his mission, and she's like, yeah, I already know. And he's looking at, what do you mean? What do you mean you already know? Oh, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, here, read this. And hands him a few pages. So, hey, maybe it'll be helpful if you meet the author. And all of a sudden, this is where we see the woman who looks like, well, we know it is Olivia. Yeah. yeah. Like Alice. And she freaks the hell out when she sees Penny. Right. Because apparently she doesn't like seeing people that she writes about, which is absolutely everybody everywhere. So she doesn't like to see anybody, apparently. Right. Which is interesting. But apparently we got some little background that the library brought this woman into their confines, onto their payroll. I say that in quotes because we don't know what her payroll is. And when magic was about, they like supersized her, her power, which she was able to see everything at once and write everything at once. So right. she was like, I don't know. I wonder if she wrote it all out or if she typed it. <laughs> been in a circle writing it constantly. But now that magic's gone, she's back down to like a pinpoint where she can only do one person at a time. So she gets to write a page or a paragraph and Sylvia runs it back and forth to the library. They fill it in to the different storylines and somebody's reading it to try to figure out what's going on. I'm assuming <laughs> the library has to know about the quest, right? Uh, yeah, with uh, Cassandra. Yeah, I believe they know about it. But this is how Penny's going to learn what's happening everywhere. Now, after right. she's freaked out, she's like writing pages and throwing it over her shoulder. And we start getting all the other storylines that were happening. Right. A little too detailed description of Quentin <laughs> and Bobby. 
<laughs> and Penny's like, I don't need to read this. It's like, maybe you can skim some of it and read something else, because maybe other shit in there is important. And then we all of a sudden we have Katie, Harriet, Victoria, and we're, we're just getting all these stories. And then we get, like, the crazy story that Penny didn't know about, that they knew they were going to try to use Victoria, but I don't think Penny knew how serious this was. Right. Because their storyline, Victoria has to use her own blood to keep that mirror bridge open. Right. And somehow, Poppy, and I love how she just, like, oh, yeah, it was no big deal, that she stole the information from Alice, went from Niffin Alice, what she wrote, to get the math so they can open this and get it right for the, the right. Bridge. And it's like, wow, this is a little scary. Yes. Because Poppy was really cool with it, and I was really worried. Right, because at first, Victoria says, no, I'm not doing this, not unless we know the bridge will be stable. Right, because, hello, it's not just all of us on the line. It is seriously my life, because I have to keep using my blood to trace these patterns to get right. them to work. So, wow. And the fact that Victoria's like, all right, I'm going to do this, because then we see them on the bridge. Right. They're crossing it, and she, she opens it, and Victoria has to stay in that in-between place to keep the blood, I guess, from drying out. Right. Yeah, to keep it open. Which is like, okay, I feel like it shouldn't dry that fast. How much blood? Oh, my God. Because at yeah. one point, doesn't Poppy even say there's it will take more blood than she has in her body? Yeah. <laughs> but they go through and Harriet's like, all right, let's split up. So she seems to know exactly where she needs to send Poppy and Quentin. Right. And and where to go with her and Katie. Yes. And they're like, have you been here before? Yeah. And you go, oh, once. And then holds up two fingers and you go, hmm. Right. It's like, how'd you get here before? What's going on? Yeah. But we have Quentin and Poppy go exactly where they need to go to the bookworm lair, and there's nothing. And Quentin's like, yeah, okay, that's a little dragon. Okay. The way Poppy was acting as they were looking through the books, looking for the key, and, well, Penny, didn't it seem like maybe she grabbed something and wasn't telling? It's very possible that she did snatch something. Because she was acting really weird, and it was, I'm like, uh, I don't like the way she's acting. I mean, because they hear something and they stop, and then all of a sudden Poppy's like, it's not here, we gotta go, we gotta go. And I'm like, why is she in such a hurry all of a sudden? Right. And that's why I was thinking that she grabbed something, and I, I don't know, I wasn't feeling Poppy right here because I was thinking that she's betraying us again. Right, yeah, it sure, it felt that way, that's for sure. But then they're like, okay, nothing's here, we gotta go. So, they're gonna leave, but we come back to Penny who is still freaking out. He's like, you're not telling me what I need to know. Well, you make a seer see what they can't see. Right. You got to let her walk through the story. And we see that in this episode. And he keeps saying, listen, Alice. And she's like, I'm not Alice. I'm still not convinced, but. No, I absolutely not. I believe that this is part of the human part of Alice that I will say the library captured oh interesting i really do think that this is probably not quite as amenable as alice would like for it to be so yeah because the next thing we know we see alice in the library right and she's asking for a library card and i love it because the head librarian is like oh we're not taking any new applicants and she's like listen let's swap some info I have a whole bunch of stuff from when I was a Niffin. How much do you know? And this was kind of weird because this would totally play in what you're saying. Because right. Because librarians like, oh, we have plenty of documentation, enough to our satisfaction. It's like, really? What? Yeah. <laughs> do huh? you know? And then Alice is like, there's got to be something that I can have access. And, huh, somehow, yes, they know about the seven key quests. Right. And this does not sound good either. No. Because it sure made it sound like they were wanting her to sabotage the quest. That's what I was thinking. And you go, 
Okay, why would you want to do that? I don't know, and I don't like it. Right, and then they just kind of leave Alice there because the librarian is taken away for something. Right. And then she turns and she sees Quentin and Poppy, and Quentin is like, what are you doing here? Poppy's like, we got to go, and Alice is like, just go. And Q's kind of freaked out, like, no, what are you doing here? Yeah, because he actually saw... Her talking to the librarian. Which, obviously, we don't want that. <laughs> no. But so Quentin has every right to be Quentin. not only angry, but definitely concerned about what's going on here. And, of course, Alice gives him absolutely nothing, just telling him to go, which he finally does. Yeah, and Poppy had already taken off ahead of him, and... She's going through the mirror. And this is why, again, I just feel like she did something because she's like, oh, yeah, Victoria, we need to go. And she's like, I can't leave them here because she's, I have to keep this open with my blood. Right. She's like, girl, we need to go. You need to just cut ties. It's like, wow, Poppy. Yeah. And she just, you know, she just kind of, all right, and heads on through. Just left. It's like, again. I like Felicia Day, but I am not liking Poppy at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then we get a story that we never thought we would ever see, and oh my God. Yeah, I I really like, this is the part that I was saying I really like. Because yes, it's about Harriet. Yeah. At 1952, it's like, oh, okay, going in and talk to the librarian. I'm thinking, oh, maybe, you know, things back, you know, back in the day, there was a little more open with the magicians. Right. But that's No. <laughs> no. Why don't you talk about this oh-so-silent moment? Yeah. The head librarian is Harriet's mother. So weird to find out. Wow. Just wow. Because we do and find of course, out, like how she says, time moves a lot different, which we did know from Penny. Right. But I assumed when they said it to Penny, it was because of where they placed the library currently. Right. But no, apparently time like barely moves there. Yeah. So I'm wondering how the hell long was she pregnant then? <laughs> but that's just me. So go. Yeah. Go Whoa. ahead. <laughs> go Gosh. ahead. Lifetime. Nineteen years <laughs> of uh, labor. No. <laughs> Maybe she popped over to Earth for that one. Yeah. All right. Go. Go ahead. Sorry. So of course Harriet's in trouble because she wanted to. She went to find Fillory. And her mother is just trying to convince her that just stay here and read the books. It's big and bad out there. And at least in here, nothing can happen to you. Right. And you see the reaction of a, what, eight to 10 year old Harriet is like, she was already a teenager at that time. (laughs) The eyes rolled back. But we move on to 85, and a young adult Harriet strolls in, and Mom is furious that Harriet keeps sharing classified information with her fellow magicians at Break Bills, no less. Which, I feel like Break Bills is the place for people to learn this stuff. Right, and that's the way Harriet feels. It's not just about the education, it's making friends and having experiences and drinking shitty beer. <laughs> I love it. Do you have to be in college to drink the shitty beer for it to be yeah. experience? Yeah, I think you kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> and so her mother decides to uh, restrict her as far as to what books she can have access to. And Harriet says, fine, I'm never coming back. I'm going back. 2007 rolls around, and we see Harriet as she looks today. And, of course, her mom comes up and gives her a big hug. But things still are not going to be on a nice plane with the two of them as Harriet's been there so long that she just knows that her mother are not going to see eye to eye. And it was really, really heartbreaking, though. Right. It really was. 
because Harriet actually offers to help the library combat the impending doom known as the Great Blank Spot, when all the pages of every book go blank, offering no resources into the future. And you go, hmm, that's quite interesting. Yeah, and the big question, and the the librarian actually said this, and this is interesting. We don't know if it's because we give out the information that this happens or because we don't. Right. But just because all of a sudden she says that and it's like, but I don't think we should do it. Right. If you are so dead set against it. I have my principles. Yeah, if you're so dead set against it and you still have this, chances are really good then, in my opinion, that's what's causing it. Right. Harriet, good thing. Right. So we, once again, Harriet gets the book that she came for and leaves her mom. Not going to happen. No, but I wanted to cry. Yes, it was tough to see a mother and daughter constantly not on the same page. Right, just, it's such odd. Right. Ugh. Okay, let's keep going. Cause, whoa, <laughs> so we fast forward, and Katie and Harriet are searching for the battery, and they're going through this room. No luck, but they find a briefcase chock full of vials containing fairy dust. Yeah, it's interesting because Katie kind of tastes it, smells it. She's like, it's not cocaine. And right. Harriet looks at her like she's crazy, and she's like, what, like you didn't think this was some kind of drug? Yeah. <laughs> and this is what was interesting, because I didn't catch this. I Somebody had posted it actually today as we're recording this, that there was two original NES controllers next to it. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, I missed that too. <laughs> oh, did Nintendo have some weird magic? Maybe it did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not as all addicted as kids, so yeah, maybe it did. <laughs> Mario. That was fine. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. But man, Katie. Katie's back. She doesn't need magic because Ga- Gavin walked in and man, Katie just right hooked, right? Knocked him right. right out. <laughs> oh, Katie. She's the muscle. I love that. Right. Now, of course, yeah, <laughs> Harriet takes a whiff, takes a taste, and then produces a fireball. And oh, that's what this stuff is. It's like, oh, is this the magic battery? Yeah. So, of course, they make a break for the entrance to the portal. They turn a corner, and sure enough, there's Mama Head Librarian. Harriet tells Katie to go, that her mom won't stop her, and she runs like crazy. To get to the portal. And then they have their little fight happen. Right. Because Mom actually admits they crafted the lie about the battery to hide their true source of power in this magical outage. But she didn't say what it was. Right. But, yeah, we kind of know that it is fairy dust. Well, so I mean, we know, but she didn't tell Harriet. No, but... I don't think Harriet has any information at this point about it. Oh, I don't know. I think it... She... As soon as she tasted it, she popped that fireball out like it was nothing. So I have a feeling she does know about fairy dust. Really? Yes. I mean, this may be the whole thing with the fairies and why the fairy queen is trying to build her people back up is you got Irene and who knows who else on the board of directors that could be killing fairies for fairy dust. You got the librarian, the head librarian, no telling how many she's taken out for this, because that was a damn big briefcase full of uh, fairy dust. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, I mean, I might have to change my thoughts on uh, the uh, Queen Fairy before long, and it'd be interesting to see if she would actually admit that to Elliot and Margot. Yeah. I still don't trust. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I can see them going in that direction. I really could. Okay. But we have Harriet running for the bridge. Like you said, she gets in and the head librarian like stops because Gavin pops up. Right. And Harriet looks back at her mom like one more time and then goes. But then all of a sudden Gavin like grabs something and throws it at the mirror. And the librarian did try to stop him. Yes. But obviously, you can't freeze anything that's already in motion because she doesn't have magic. Yeah. 
And when the mirror breaks, it breaks on both sides. Right. That whole bridge is coming down. And Harriet did try to, like, shield Victoria. I mean, like, she runs through and she does, like, kind of yell, go. Right. I think Harriet was willing to at least get Victoria through. Yes. And we just see it break. And so we don't know what happens. And we're assuming they're stuck or dead. I mean, we don't (laughs) know. But did she have the case or did Gavin grab the case back? Like, I'm having a total blank space in my memory right now. Well, because this, and this kind of threw me off, too. This scene was just Harriet and Victoria. Katie had the briefcase. Oh, Katie had it. Okay. Right. And so far, we haven't accounted for Katie has made it through, and we really don't know if Q got through because he didn't go through with Poppy, even though he followed her. So we still got two people we got to account for and Alice and... We don't think Alice is planning on leaving anytime soon. Interesting. Yeah, because like I, I didn't even remember who had the briefcase. So if Katie made it through, like running, she may well have given Victoria a vial and said, "Here, this will charge your magic. You may have to make right. a quick getaway." I mean, we don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, we go back to Penny, who is given the. Quentin and Poppy sex scene all over again, and he goes into a rampage, and then it hits him. Oh, crap. Yeah. And he heads back to Benedict, who admits that, yeah, I still got the key, and I buried it. Yeah, it's like, why? Why would you lie? Well, he wanted Penny to stay with him in the underworld. Yeah, but this is when we actually get Penny... Say, dude, okay, yeah, we're friends. You're the only person who cried for me. Right. And he's like, don't ask me how I know. Yeah. (laughs) He he kind of threw that in really fast. Yeah, really fast. And it's like, okay, great. I can give you the key then. We'll still be friends. Don't worry. But I got to get back. I got to get this stuff ready. But tell you what, we're going to get you to the library's bathroom because you are going to be like the man. They are going to love you there. Right. And that kind of brought Benedict up. Oh, yeah. He got excited about that. That was awesome for him to be doing something productive and being noticed and thanked for his hard work. So, yeah, he was psyched about that. So Penny manages to get the key. Now, he gets the key. He sends it through the book shoot. I have a question. Because of him being a traveler, did the key not affect him because he's on, like, the ash? Right. Okay. That's why I wasn't 100%. Like, are we going to come back and he's going to be all weirded out or something? Yeah. No, I don't think so. He only had the key for like a few minutes and I didn't know. Right. So we do see that suddenly Q has the key then and he's not touching it. He was smart this time. Yeah. (laughs) He made sure he didn't touch it. Yes. So, all right. So the key's there. But yeah, now that you say that, I'm like, I don't remember seeing him make it to the bridge. Now I'm, like, questioning everything with that part of the episode. Right, because we actually get the scene where Harriet and Katie run into the head librarian again. Right. Where Harriet tells her to run, and she does, but we see her run into Q. Right. And then they go back to the book drop, there's the key, and they get through the the mirror bridge. Now, we don't see them coming out the other side, but when Harriet got there with Victoria, they weren't on the bridge with them. So you have to assume they made it through to back to break belts. See, now I need to rewatch it all to see, like, how it all goes together. Grr. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that made writing this up even harder because you go, what? Huh? What? (laughs) But, of course, as Penny was going to jump into the book when he actually has it and sylvia jumps up and shuts the gate and he's like wait i wasn't done yeah you are because sylvia has turned you over right and it's like did she turn you over willingly or did they get the pages they knew he was there and she kind of did it to save herself because she does say yeah just remember i've saved you twice now right and you go hmm because yeah because even when he turns back turns back and looks at her, 
which he did most of the way out the door, out of the room, she still kind of got that sad expression on her face that she's had for most of the episode. Right. So it doesn't look like she gained anything by doing this. And you know, maybe she thought she really was saving Penny. And maybe she was. We don't know. Right. Like, she might know more from his book than we know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. I need all this, like, layered in order and together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What did you guys think? I thought this was crazy, and I loved this episode. But we want to hear from you. It's sci-fi talk, S-Y-F-Y, talk at fangirlzone.com. Shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. If you want to come and talk to us with one of the episodes. If you want to be on a little finale roundtable, let us know. I will even send you something out of our prize pack because we have so many things to give away. I love giving stuff away. All right. Don't forget, too, while you're at it, sending us emails and tweeting with us and hashtag magicians. Yay, season four. I think that should be next episode. Yay, season four. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget to rate and review us at iTunes and every other platform you're finding us on. Good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about the show because how have you not? Right. It's like, I'm trying to suck in everybody at work. It's like, you need to watch this. This and Channel Zero, because holy crap. But anyway, let us know all of your thoughts. We do hope you're enjoying everything. And don't forget to check out our website. And we have our shopping links. And we have our Redbubble page with Steve and I looking awesome on our Sci-Fi Talk logo, (laughs) which I'm putting on my laptop now. I just got the sticker. Awesome. (laughs) And con season is upon us. Yes, it is. All around the country here and there. So if you see us, we are either wearing our jerseys or one of our t-shirts, you know, pop by, come up to us, say hi. We'll happily talk to you guys and talk theories on all our shows. Absolutely. So that being said, for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve. I hate Fillory. It's a backwards, malodorous shithole full of animals who are smarter than they're supposed to be and humans who are so much dumber. <laughs>